Welcome to the month of April. Can you believe it? Deep into 2019 already. Dan Seaborn here, and on behalf of all of us at Winning at Home, thank you for being our partner. Thank you for joining us in this endeavor of reaching those who are around us with a great message of marriage and family and hope in Christ. We believe that with the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what situation we're in, we can move forward in a positive way. And that's exactly what we're going to do in today's message. I'm talking about fear in this particular edition of the Home Run Club. Fear is something that can be incredibly detrimental. It can be very motivating, has all sorts of characteristics. And it's more than a feeling, as you're going to find out as we take a moment and just look at fear in the Bible. I don't know if you realize this, but fear is mentioned a lot in the Bible, and you'll hear that right as I jump into the message. So let's just do that already. Let's jump into it, and let's ask the Lord how he can help us to grow in this area of embracing a proper fear and not allowing it to petrify us, if you will. Too often we get stopped in our tracks by fear. And I trust through this message you'll be encouraged to understand what fear is and how it can be used in a good and a godly way. So here we go, a message on fear. And this area of fear is one where we struggle. Uh, The Bible talks about love like 302 times. It talks about faith like 330 times. And it talks about fear 500 times. We wouldn't stop and think about that, but it's part of our life. To get my mind going in this particular thought process, I traveled back to the first time, and I want you to do it with me this morning, I want you to think of the first time you experienced the emotion of fear. You're probably four, five, six years old, just so you know. Some of you got to go a while. Travel way back to four, five, or six, and think about the first time you felt fear. I'd love for somebody just to yell it out. What what do you think it was for you? Thinking back, looking back, what was the first thing you were fearful of? Somebody yell it out. Taking the trash out. Because it was nighttime, dark outside. So taking his trash outside as a little boy because it was dark. And you may think that's silly, but think back to the first time you had to go outside. Your parents said, hey, go get this, and it freaked you out. It's good. That's good. What else? Somebody yell something. A spider on your bed. That is good. Report card. Yo, bro, I'm with you. That's that's perfect. Yeah. What's that? Separated from your parents in the store. Those are real things. Last night, someone yelled, the basement. That's a good one. Dark, though. Dark. Uh, For me, I remember it was uh, my parents fighting. Maybe some of you have a memory of hearing, especially my dad, yelling at my mom made me so fearful. Um, if, you, if you ever had a house fire in your neighborhood, then you would be worried about that. I remember uh, in first grade, my friend, her name was Marilyn, her mother passed away having a child, passed away giving birth. And I remember being so worried that something was going to happen to my mom. Could I lose my mom? These are real fears. They cause things inside us just to well up. And we can't stop them, but we don't know what to do with them. And they're real. They're emotions that God gave us. And then we get to middle school, and they turn into different kind of fears. We start being fearful of the shapes of our body, and we got hair there, and we got we got this nose thing. I, my nose was real. I always, I always had a really big nose. And in middle school, my brother would make fun of it, and I would be, like, fearful people would say something about my nose. Now I'm... I'm proud of my nose, man. I can get the stuff and smell it before you guys get close. I mean, it is not a problem. 
But when you're in middle school, your fears are about your body, how it looks, how it's shaped. It's just life. It's normal. Um, you know, I said that my parents fought. One of my biggest fears was usually on a Thursday during school. I had a, a Miss Miss Snipes was my algebra teacher. Uh, I wasn't very good at math. Uh, I, I just didn't get algebra. I never understood how those crazy letters X plus Y, I, I just didn't get it. I'm like, man, why are we messing the alphabet in with these numbers? It just didn't make sense to me. And I couldn't get the answers to the questions right. What, what Miss Snipes did not know, what she didn't know, was on Wednesday nights at my home growing up, Dad would usually physically hurt my mother, and, and I wouldn't sleep that night. I would have anxiety. What's going to happen? Is Mom going to make it? I mean, crazy stuff I was dealing with in eighth grade. And then I would go to her class in eighth grade following a night of not sleeping, and she would literally, her way of doing math was, next answer, Danny, my real name, Danny, what's the answer to number eight? And I wouldn't get it right. And... and I was so fearful of that class. She's going to call on me. Everybody's going to turn and look at me. It was, it was awful. And it was real. And she would laugh. Like, if I meant, oh, you missed it again, Danny. <laughs> it's so funny. Funny to her. But it wasn't funny to me. Because I have fear. And you're traveling in your life to your moment. You know what your fear was. Some of you lost a parent. Some of you went through an incredibly challenging thing as a child. Some of you were abused. Those are real things. And we have to learn how to manage them or our lives shut down. That's one of the things I've realized as I prepared for this message. I spoke to a few of our counselors and they said, the body just begins to do things internally that you can't control when fear overtakes you and grips you. And then something happened to me preparing for this message I've never considered before in my life. It never even came into my mind. Because if the Bible talks about fear 500 times, what am I going to talk to you about? i got 500 choices here. And you know some of the verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but instead by prayer and supplication. In other words, by prayer and talking to the Lord, present your request to Him. That's a, that would be really preachable. But as I looked at all the things, I thought, I guess the best thing I can do is show y'all how Jesus dealt with fear. And it might be that somebody would go, Jesus didn't have fear. And I want to go, really? If he didn't, then he didn't relate to my life. I think that Jesus had a lot of fear. And I want to tell you one particular thing I begin to think about. Never have seen it written about, never seen it talked about. Just I have a question for you. When do you think Jesus realized I'm going to die. My life on earth is going to finish by dying on a cross. When do you think he found that out? Think he was in elementary age? Do you think he was middle school age? Do you think he was a, a late teenage? Was he early 30s? When did Jesus know I'm going to die? And he knew what a crucifixion was. I'm going to die like that. I have seen that. That's how I'm going to die. Now, anybody in here, if you're, if you're fair, you would say, if you knew that this afternoon at two o'clock, we've all scheduled a crucifixion for you. I'm going to tell you what you'd be doing right now. You'd be fearful. Because it's painful. When did Jesus know that? When did he realize this is going to happen? Did he have fear when he stood in front of Pilate and Herod? Absolutely. He's a human being. 
He maintained control, but I believe he felt just like we would anxiety and fear. I think, in fact, I can prove it. There's a story we read and we talk about, but we only do it during like Easter time because it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's up on the Mount of Olives. It was Jesus going there. That's my passage this morning from Luke 22. Jesus is going out to the Mount of Olives as usual, the Bible says, because he went out there to pray. That's where he hung out to pray. And he took some of his disciples with him, and this is just before his crucifixion. And the Bible says he went into the garden with his disciples and he had them stop and kneel and then he went the bible says about a stone's throw so let's go from here to the back of the church as far as i can throw a stone and jesus walked about that far and he knelt down and he began to pray earnestly the bible said and he said in his prayer god the father is there any way we can come up with that i don't have to do this I'm going to tell you, I think right there he's going, this is causing me anxiety. I'm feeling stressed. I don't know what to do. And the Bible says that his sweat, because of the anguish he was in, became as drops of blood. Now, we hear that and we go, oh, it's a figure of speech. No, no, no. It's called hematidrosis. It's a medical term. It's like um, the face, the eyes, blood begins to seep out of them. And here's why it happens. Because your body is under such stress, the capillaries in your body begin to burst. Because you just can't deal with it. You don't know where you're going to go with it. And, and blood begins to seep out of the pores of your body because you're so stressed. That's where Jesus was. So Jesus understood anxiety. Probably past the point that any of us have faced it on this earth. And I want to show you what he did with it. Because this morning, um, I don't know what yours is. But some of you didn't sleep last night. A child issue, a marriage issue, a family issue, a work issue, life issues. And some of you literally last night got to sleep by watching one more show or popping one more thing. Because you're in fear. The future scares you because you don't know where it's going. And that was Jesus in the garden. And I will tell you what I realized going through this message is we all have fear. And there is what I call good fear and bad fear. Good fear, let's put it up on the screen. Bad fear, I should say, leads to worry. Good fear will eliminate worry. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take your thing, that thing in your life that you are fearful of. You say, I got 10, Dan. Perfect. You got 10. We're going to take them and we're going to look at them and we're going to say, am I taking this fear thing and am I going to worry or am I allowing it to be what good fear does for me, eliminate worry? And I'll show you what I mean. And here's the way I'll do that. I'm going to give you three different things that we deal with when it comes to fear and how we can walk through overcoming it. The first thing is, when you have an issue in your life, if you have bad fear, it is going to cripple you. If you have good fear, it is going to focus you. There is a kid right now, lives in our area, almost a teenager. Uh, I know about this because I spoke with their parent. And this child, when driven by certain places, uh, a gas station where this child has memories, 
because this child was taken into this home, okay, and cared for now. But because of, so take a foster child kind of situation. This child has memories by this gas station, by this particular house, on this side of town. When they go down Waverly Avenue, when that child in the car goes down those avenues, because their memories of pain they went through come up. Can't stop it. It's there. It's real. It's raw. Some of you have that same thing. You have a childhood thing that happened to you. You were abused as a child. I have sexual abuse in my past. There are certain things I can't stop it. It's triggered by that. It's just there. We're about to open in the next few months, I should say, winning at home down on 16th and River. Just pray for this because the Lord has really called us to open a new winning at home for the underprivileged of our community and those who can't get over to our offices here in Zealand that some of you go to. We're going to open it smack dab in the middle of, of Highland just for those who are hurting. And so the other day we had an open house there. And when we had the open house, um, I arrived a little later than everybody else, probably one or two hours later than our staff was there, et cetera. There was a radio uh, station was there kind of talking about it, et cetera. It's not ready yet. It's in process of renovation. But we're just talking about it, letting people know it's coming to this part of town. And there was a lady when I arrived. There was a lady there who my staff said to me, hey, this woman's been waiting for you. And I said, okay, okay. So I walked up to her and she knew me. She said, oh, you're Pastor Dan, blah, blah, blah. She thought I heard you preach, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, uh, I've been waiting for you to arrive here because this building you guys just bought. Uh, and, the, and I'll be careful how I say this to you. But in the basement of this building, she said, uh, I'm saying I'm going to say this very carefully because there's children here, but you'll know what I'm saying. She said, Pastor, I wanted you to know that um, this building you just bought, that you're about to turn into a winning home center. Um, in the basement of this building, when I was a teenage girl, I was gang taken advantage of. And it's been one of the hardest things in my life to overcome. And she said, I, I've waited here for you because I want to go and I want to walk in that room and I want to face that. Will you go in there with me? Because fear for years had crippled her and she wanted to face it and focus it so that she could eliminate the worry. One of the ways that you face, the, that you overcome the fears of your life and don't allow them to cripple you anymore is just to face them. We live in West Michigan and we live in Holland, Zealand area. Let me tell you what I know about this area. I've lived here now for 20 plus years. We don't like to admit things about us that we're afraid will look a little bad to others. Some of you today have something in your life that is literally crippling you, but you're afraid if you bring it out and talk about it, it's just, well, my grandparents didn't do that, my parents didn't, it's just not me, I know. So you're going to let it cripple you the rest of your life. So let me tell you, um, I'm very honest, very vulnerable. I will be in this point, and I will be in the last point to share with you today. So for me, uh, just a few days ago, I drove down to the middle of Highland, and I got out of my car. And I was going down there to do a little work and that kind of thing, and I closed the door to my car. I stepped out. It was very quiet. I was in the downtown Highland area and more up in the streets, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17th. I don't want to say exactly where because I wouldn't want you to track it down. But I got out of my car and I'm standing in a driveway. And 10 feet from me in this house, I'm between two houses just in a driveway. In this house right here, a tall two-story house, a woman and a man 
were yelling and fighting and cursing and slamming and f and everything you can imagine was happening in that house. And do you guys, do you, do you guys know where I went? I went to being a little five-year-old. I went to being 10 again. And that was my mom and dad in that house. And I could hear it. And everything inside here came up. Because it's oh, oh no. I wanted to get back in my car. And, and I wanted to say, I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. That's, that's, that's over. I'm over 50 and I'm remembering like real stuff in my life. This is what it does to us. And it can make you just want to go, shut down, get by yourself, get away. Because I am older now and in a different position in life, there was another part of me honestly wanted to walk in the house and grab somebody in the nap of the neck. But police tell you not to do that, so I chose not to. <laughs> but let me tell you what it did for me. So this ministry center that we're going to start on 16th Street, I stood there. I stood there. And it focused me. I'm standing in earshot of hearing all the profanity, all the yelling, all the cursing. And I stood there and here's what I thought to myself. Doggone it. We are bringing a ministry center to this part of town to help that situation. We're going to somehow figure out how to get in that house. We're going to get the kids in the house some help. We're going to, the little Danny in there that doesn't know how to deal with what he's dealing with right now. We're, Lord, you are focusing me and you are driving me to say, we're going to do this thing. Because I want to help the little kids. Who don't have, I would have given anything if, if someone would have walked to my house and said, Hey, Dave, let me help you with this. I know you don't know what to do at night at 2 o'clock when your parents are yelling. And you see your dad do that stuff he does to your mom. You don't know what to do because you can't do anything. You're just there and you're vulnerable and you're at the will of whatever dad does. Well, doggone it, I am now at a place where I'm not at the will of what somebody else does. I get to decide. I get to focus. And I'm going to focus on eliminating the worry of all my childhood and all that crap. I'm going to move it over here and I'm going to go downtown. And with the blessing and the help of an incredible staff, we're going to open up a winning home on 16th Street, dog on it. We're going to help the little kids down there whose parents don't know what they're doing in many situations. That's what we're going to do. And today I want to say to you, you will either allow that thing in your life that you're struggling with, whatever, you will allow it to either cripple you. Like today as I'm speaking, you need to know at the end of this message, I'm going to give an invitation. And I'm doing that partly to let you know, you know what? I'm really tired of living crippled. I'm really tired of living, better word, paralyzed. I'm tired of that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to be focused and I'm going to move forward. It's a decision. It's a choice. I'm going to show you in a minute. Jesus had to make a choice. He can sit there in the garden and let the blood keep flowing out of him and go, well, I guess I can't go do it. Or he can do what I'm going to tell you he did at the end of this message. And so secondly, I want to show you that bad fear and worry will cause unhealthy thinking leading to unhealthy decisions, while good fear without worry will promote healthy thinking and lead to healthy and wise decisions. And I want to tell you that this right here is where a lot of people fall into unhealthy patterns, um, make bad choice on top of bad choice, and sometimes we look at them and go, what are you doing? They've just fallen into a bad pattern. I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. Uh, this fear is, is paralyzing me, and this is where you go. 
And some of you are here right now with a particular in a relationship, unhealthy on top of unhealthy. On, I'm helping somebody right now who's in an unhealthy relationship. And the person said to me two days ago, should I go do that? And I said, I don't know. Should you? Because to break the pattern of unhealthy thinking, you have to make a wise choice. Fear will either cause you to make unwise choices are wise choices. And I want to tell you this right here, this idea of having healthy thinking leading to healthy and wise decisions, I believe this right here is only accomplished to the maximum ability it can be accomplished if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go be a good person and you can make good decisions, but when you ask Christ into your life, he said, I give you, John chapter 14, the parakletos, that's what it's called in the Greek. It means the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going into heaven, but I'm going to leave you some help on earth, the Holy Spirit. And when you invite me into your life, I got you. I will walk with you. I will be your friend through this stuff you're facing. You don't have to do it alone. And that's a choice you have to make. And it's like this. Let me give you a little illustration. The cars these days. Now, when I rent a newer car, They've got these things in them. When you're driving down the road, the first time it did it, it freaked me out a little bit. If I got a little bit out of my lane, before I even got to the rumble strip, the steering wheel kind of moved itself back straight. It kind of nudged me back to the center of the lane, getting in the spot I need to be. I'm driving this car down the road, kind of something got my attention. I'm weaving a little bit, and I felt the steering. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Is this car driving itself? And I took my, I, I pulled again, like go, like I'm going to go out of the line, took my hand off the wheel, and when I got to a certain place, whoop, kind of, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It recenters your life. If some of you, you get over toward the rumble strips, and do, 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 you start to hear it, and you go, I don't know, I think I'll go ahead and make this decision. Though inside you're saying, don't do it, not a wise choice, but you go ahead and do it, and then you end up off the road. And the Holy Spirit comes along with just a gentle nudge and says, mm-mm. Now, I know you want to go over there and it looks good and you'd like to do it, but not, not now. You stay centered right where I want you to be. And today, some of you need that centering help. You need the Lord every now and then just to nudge you in your mind going, and then, and then you have to be obedient to what you hear. That's not always easy. Sometimes you get past the rumble strips, you don't hear anything. That's because you're in a ditch. Or you go the other way, it's head on with a car. And I challenge you in your life to think about, what am I doing with the fear? Am I letting the Lord center me? Am I letting him use it as a good reminder of God is God? And I don't want to go over there because it, it'll hurt my life. It'll hurt my relationship with him. I don't want to do anything that harms my relationship. And I fear God in a healthy way. Not a fear as in, I'm going to slap you, boy. That's, not, that's what I was taught growing up. God is in heaven just waiting to slap you in the head. That's not true. He loves me. And he wants to recenter me and pull me back because he doesn't want me to have an accident. And I ask you today, are you letting his Holy Spirit recenter you? Because if you'll do that, you'll move from this third thing, bad fear, you will lose purpose and you'll become ineffective. Good fear, purpose will be solidified. Your life is here on purpose. Satan wants to bring the spirit of fear to destroy your life. I'm going to be very honest about myself today. Um, two years ago, 
with all I've been through in my family life. I've chronicled the story with you of my daughter. Other things you don't know about. Y'all didn't know this, but when I would come here and preach, you probably could tell it because there wasn't a zip in my step. I, I was ready to be done. Two years ago, I, I could have easily walked from winning at home. I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I did it out of duty because I'm kind of one of those guys. I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. I'll go preach at each one because they've asked me to come preach, but I don't have it. I had lost purpose and become ineffective. Now, if you'd walked up and said, you don't have purpose, you're ineffective, I would have said, no, I'm good. But I wasn't. If I was honest with myself, I wasn't. I, I didn't want to do this anymore. Because fear. Am I going to lose my daughter forever? What if, the, what if the Ridgepoint family really knew what my family looked like? What if they knew right now we're in shambles with... It's, it, would they be like, we don't even want to hear him preach? I mean, the very stuff I talk about, I, I don't have some of these things happening in my life. It's awful. My life is in chaos right now, and no one knows it. What if they found out? And fear was causing me to pull in and go, if I just seclude myself, and if I just get away from all this, if I just do. And then the Lord began to help me see that what he called me to do is beyond what y'all think of me, what my family's like, etc. He's called me to preach the good news of Jesus Christ the rest of my life. And he began to refocus me. He put a provision in my life. He brought abundance into my life in a way that I never dreamed would happen. I didn't even know it could happen. I am, look, look, I want to just tell you all today, I got some skip in my step. I'm so stinking joyful I'm trying to control myself these days because this last third of my life, I honestly, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to go and I'm going to rock it. And I'm going to start a new ministry center downtown and one in Tampa Bay. And doggone it, we're going to make some difference in people's lives. I am no longer ineffective, I don't think, you can tell me, but I am solidified in what I am called to do. And y'all better watch out because I'm going to go forward. And I'm telling I'm trying to give this as a testimony. I was ready to be done. Might be where you are today. The Lord can turn that around. He did it for me in an unexpected way. I stand here today so proud of how he has done that in my life. I'm a different person. I love what I do. And it's because I got rid of the fear. So, here's what we're going to do. There's a little song that I found. It's a little video, and then we're going to close a little song on stage. But this little video is a song called Fear is a Liar. Fear is a liar. Some of you today are not living as you should live because you're living in fear. We're going to play the little video. It's a song, Guy Singing, Fear is a Liar. There's a little story happening in the scene. And here's what I want you to do. If you at some point during this song, four-minute song, during this song, if the Lord speaks to you and you go, I'm tired of believing the lie, and I'm tired of being paralyzed and crippled, if you would say that about yourself, and you would say, Dan, I'll join you, man. I, I was, I'm you two years ago, and I'm sick of it. I'm going to tell you, it's okay to be honest about your own self. I'm going to pray for you. Then i got to get in the car and i got to go preach at Third Coast. So I'm going to be out of here. I can't talk to you after. But if you touch in my office, I'll try to get you help. But here's the deal. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning about your fear, I just want you to give it to him. That's what I did.
I just said, Lord, I can't do it. I'm going to give up. I know, Dan. I got you. And I'll give you a provision. And I want to tell you today, um, I'm standing here joyful. And I want you to join me in saying, Jesus, I give you my stuff. We cast our fears upon you, believing that you are the God who created us. You made us the way we are. We don't have to be ashamed of it. But we want to center ourselves. We want the Holy Spirit to cause us to be right in the center of the lane that you provide for us. Bless our lives as we seek to follow you. As we seek to recenter ourselves this morning and lay our issues before you. We pray that your spirit would speak to us. Those who are standing, Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to do a sweet little work in them right now. Put your angels around them. And bless us as we go forth. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Thank you for being a part of the Home Run Club. I trust as you've listened to this message on fear that you have been encouraged. You've taken a moment, looked at your own life, and thought to yourself, yeah, yeah, I can grow right here. And that's my prayer for you, that you will grow through this and grow in your relationship with your family around you. On behalf of all of us at Winning at Home, thank you again for being a partner with us. Continue to pray that God will use and bless the ministry to make a difference in his kingdom.